0: Welcome to a Women's Brew where women talk about beer. Get your lab coats and goggles ready because in today's episode we're talking hop science with Yakima Chief Hops. I'm Joanne and this is Tori. Yo! And we're two beer loving women on a mission to get more people drinking and talking about great beer. Come join us!
1: Oh, so first off, thank you so, so, so much for agreeing to do this because um I think we're both we're both really excited yeah. about this. We had so oh, many questions. So nice. <laughs> we always go and like have conversations when we're doing the podcast stuff about hops and like that kind of stuff afterwards. And I'm like, oh, hop science is just so fascinating. So um I, I think one day we were recording and basically I said to Joe, I'm just going to reach out to you know, Yakima Chief Hops and just see if if someone will have a conversation. I kind of didn't expect a response back, so when I did, that was brilliant. So I guess to kick things off, do you kind of want to just say to anybody who maybe doesn't know who you are, who who are you, uh, where do you work, uh, what your role is, that kind of thing?
2: Sure. Yeah. So uh, I'm Tessa Shiladi. I'm the sensory and brewing scientist at Yakima Chief Hops, um, which is probably the coolest title. I've ever had in my life. Maybe the coolest <laughs> title I ever will have. I'm yeah. not sure I'm a nerd. So the fact that it has scientists in it is great. And then I, you know, I, I, basically taste beer for a living. Um, uh, before I talk about like the specifics of my job though, I'll tell you a little bit more about Yakima yeah, Chief Hops, the company I work for, um, which is one of the major hop suppliers. There's kind of three major, I would say big, big, um, hop suppliers, Uh, but what makes YCH a a little bit special is that it's actually 100% grower owned. So um, hop farmers own the company. Um, And what's cool about that is it just really helps um, break down some of the barriers that um, some brewers feel between, you know, the hops that they grow and the actual farmers that grow them. Um, When, you know, sometimes when you buy from one of the big hop companies, you know, they just show up and, and that's great. And they can be, great hops, but, um, I think it's quite cool to, to really see the brewer and the farmer be more directly connected. And I think brewers really like that, that aspect of that relationship building. And a lot of these hop farmers have been doing this for like 10 generations, you know, so it's, it's just really, um, it's a really special industry. And I think it's really nice um, that YCH sort of facilitates the connection of those two pieces. Um, so that a brewer can, you know, know where her hops come from. That's amazing. And so, yeah, yeah, it's, it's really nice. Um, and I get to go out on the hop farms all the time. And uh, as you know, someone who came more from beer than from hops, uh, it's it's pretty fun to do that. Um, and then I guess so a little bit about me and my background. I actually did a neuroscience undergrad. Uh, rant as people phenomenal. think that's rant-
1: <laughs> That is well, like well, what. <laughs> <laughs> i find I know, it's so interesting though like that like when you read into neuroscience not that this podcast is about neuroscience but like when you start reading articles that are even remotely like edging on neuroscience it's like the most interesting stuff like that blows my mind how did you go from that to beer
2: well so that's and it's funny you said that it's because it's so interesting and that's literally why i did it i got to the part i think american universities are a little bit different than ones in the uk because yeah. we have to like We have to do all these general university requirements, which are just like random classes to round you out as a person or whatever. Um, And they only let you do so many of those. And then they're like, you have to pick a major, like you have to specialize in something. So I was like getting emails from the university that was like, pick something and then leave eventually. It's like, fine. Uh, So I picked neuroscience because I thought it was the most interesting one and I never really intended to like do anything with it necessarily, or I didn't really know. But what's interesting to tie it back into what I do now is that actually, you know, there's a lot of biochem, a lot of um, cellular biology, a lot of organic chemistry and neuroscience. And um, those are all pretty important factors of brewing as well. So a lot of my kind of um, base of, of, STEM comes from that undergrad. And then also I do sensory science specifically now, uh, which is a lot of psychology because humans are the instrument that you're using to collect your data. It's not just, um, you know, some analytical piece of equipment that you just squirt a sample into, and then it like beep up, whoop shoots out numbers. It's like a living, breathing, feeling, thinking person with um, a really, you know, diverse, diverse past and experiences with different cuisines and cultures and all these different things that will really impact the data they give you. Um, So there's a lot of psychology in sensory as well. But anyway, I graduated that program and I was like, well, I don't really know. So I, I was traveling around doing the kind of scumbag backpacker, post-undergrad thing that so many college students do, <laughs> um, and I, I ended up working at a couple different breweries and different places I was traveling and really liked it, and then realized that um, I could kind of combine my love of science and my love of brewing uh, with, the, with the graduate program at Harriet Watt University in Edinburgh. Um, where I did a MSC in brewing and distilling and then came here directly after that. So that's kind of my background. And now as the sensory and brewing scientist here, I basically help um, design and execute experiments to investigate basically different parameters of of hop quality and performance in beer. So we also have um, a sensory scientist who's more focused on hop sensory. So like how the raw product, smells, but then I kind of like take the ball from her at that point and pass it on into the brewing. So we do a lot of experimental trials, um, when we're looking at introducing a new hop format or a new, um, new variety development, uh, you know, storage studies. Um, I don't know if you guys have heard much about like the kind of smoke taint issue that has, uh, been, well, for kind of the first time last year from the wildfires on the West coast. Right. And just kind of, you know, we've been doing a ton of research into, you know, mitigating those impacts and, you know, different stuff like that. So it's it's a research and development role. Um, And I have a sensory panel that I keep trained. It's about 20 people who will come in and taste blind coded samples of beers and fill out a ballot. And then I can take that data and run statistics on it and make conclusions about uh, about the experiment or not make conclusions as the case sometimes maybe. But.
1: It's like so fascinating. I know it doesn't sound like it but I am from the US and I feel like if I knew um, I I live over here now, obviously that's why, you know, I'm not over there. Like, sorry, our time differences are just so far apart because I feel like it. Um, But yeah, I remember like when I was going to college or uni um, and like, I don't think that I ever in my thoughts even thought like I could do this and it would lead me down this path. So I hope that people like listening to it, even just the first five minutes in that are maybe younger and are like, i kind of don't know what I want to do I really like beer but like I don't know um how to go about it like I think that's brilliant because I think you've just kind of shown how you can kind of go into something that doesn't even seem like it necessarily connects to beer and it just brings you background so that is just yeah that is that is an incredible story <laughs> so yeah
2: yeah I think um you know I had a lot of people that were a lot older and a lot wiser than me telling me, you know, that they had wished that they'd like done what they wanted to do more than doing what they thought other people thought they should do or whatever. And um, it really did like truly lead me to, to something that I'm both good at and passionate about, which is sort of the dream. That's but that's like, a, the best, you know, obviously great. Experience
0: and, yeah. and advice, like do what you want to do, not what everyone thinks you should do. <laughs> yeah.
2: Exactly. Yeah. And I recognize that it's definitely like a privileged position to have been able to go to university and major in whatever I wanted and go travel afterwards and stuff. So I know that that's, you know, um, not everyone's journey. So I'm, Grateful yeah. to have. Had I that. think
1: it's also yeah. not everybody, um, not everyone's necessarily shoot, suited to go into college, and that's okay as well. But it's just it's interesting how like I, I think I know that um, from my experience when I, I went to school for print journalism, and I didn't even finish uni, if I'm honest. Um, and it was one of those things that um, I accrued a lot of debt and I dropped out Um, but I know a lot of people around me um, I'm going to be 32 this year and I know a lot of people around my similar age it was it was a time where we were really kind of being pushed when we graduated high school and it was like you know you have to go to uni Um, if you don't go what are you going to do you're not gonna be able to get a job you know and there was a lot of pressure to go because you felt you had to go or you just wouldn't succeed in life and that's not the case at all especially nowadays um but I think some people went went I'm actually really passionate about this so then they just sort of dropped out and went eh, I'm never gonna be able to do anything like this anyway. so I think if nothing else your story kind of shows that like well if you stick with it and you do something that maybe it's not for you and you drop out and that's fine but maybe it if you stick with it and you pivot you can kind of find ways of which you can have that work to your advantage so I think there's yeah I think there's a lot to be said about that but also I also agree it's not the only path there is in life is there but yeah I am very thirsty (laughs) so we (laughs) have got these um you were going to speak to us about cryopop and we have actually managed to get new Bristol brewery and Yakima chief hops Clap. Amazing. Clap but i have to so somebody asked me this because i uh, said when i went to go get this beer i was talking to the guy that owns the shop and um i said i i need this and um, i'm having a conversation with yakima chiefs and and he went oh um we've got this and he's like is he yakima or yakima because i'd say yakima and i said i've always said yakima so i need to ask you before we start <laughs> and if we, can you just for the record <laughs> tell us how we're supposed
2: to pronounce it absolutely it's yakima
0: it's yakima (laughs) yeah
2: but i've heard a lot of people from the uk say yakima and i'm like but also we're probably saying it wrong because it's like a native word oh yeah yakima nation you know so i'm sure we're not saying it right either but
1: but but as long as the intended the way you guys intended it to be yes i was like i i swear it's yakima and they were like no i think it's yakima i was like i will ask that question
2: no <laughs> no you can go back and gloat now because you were correct <laughs> there's gotta be i some also have one uh, what have you got well it's a, we did it's a um with fair state brewing which is a brewery here in the u.s um and this was the the cryo beer that we Um, We had them brew it or, you know, we brewed it in collaboration with them. And then we included a four pack of these in our um, like launch boxes that we sent out when we launched the product and had all the info and branding and stuff. Um, And actually that was a little while ago. And so I was a little bit suspicious that this would have held up. Um, But then I, I popped a can a couple of days ago and I was like, dang, for a hoppy beer. She's lasting, so you know it's eleven forty here, but I'm on UK <laughs> time, baby. That's it. Go. Like, that i it. like,
0: it's okay if you if it's too early for you to have a beer. That's fine. It's yeah. never too <laughs> but it's also kind
1: of like if you're at or nearby or close enough to an airport, it's kind of like you're on yeah. international time. Yeah.
0: So it's okay. precisely an within
1: driving distance
2: from you. It counts. As fine within <laughs> driving distance. That's literally anywhere in the world. <laughs> yeah.
1: well, that's it. It's, that's
2: it's cool. fine. <laughs> I love this system but this is actually not even my first beer of the day because oh, wow. I did a sensory panel at 9am so your job you is know. amazing That's <laughs> I'm, going. Is. I'm um,
1: impressed just a question I guess before we get into the whole cryopop notes and all that um I know for example I've I had this but I was gonna ask it later but it kind of seems relevant now because we're having a collaboration beer you're having one as well um I know that we had, when Talis came out, uh, we had Sirens one. um, And I know that it was like a few that were launching across Europe. Um, Do you know, like, how do you go about doing these partnerships? Like, do you pick who gets to use these beers first for commercial brewing? Or do they have to apply for it? Or like, how does that all work? I'm quite curious about that.
2: Yeah, that's a really good question. Um, I, in the, it kind of depends. But basically, we sort of, you know, we have a, a team of uh, RSMs, regional sales managers who have really great relationships with their, um, you know, the breweries that they work with. And we kind of leave it up to them to sort of identify breweries that have, you know, an interest in um, scientific rigor, you know, um, we want Breweries who keep meticulous records and like um, know exactly what they're doing and why they're doing it and kind of have a pretty good understanding of um, the the sort of underlying science of brewing. Um, There are great brewers who that's not their forte, but that's the type of brewer we tend to target for this sort of thing. Because when we are going to do like a collaboration and send some hops to a brewer to work with, we really want that feedback so that we can give it to, um, you know, Yakima Chief Ranches is is, um, kind of our breeding arm of Yakima Chief Hops. They do the agronomy and the the genetics and uh, new variety development um, kind of with us or whatever. And um, we want to be able to give them really good feedback from the brewers. That's the whole point. Um, so, yeah, we kind of leave it up to the to the RSMs to make those identifications, um, brewers that they they recognize as being pretty reliably good brewers who give good feedback. Um, and then, you know, if, if things go well at that stage, then we will commercialize and make things available for breweries to buy, um, you know, kind of on a commercial or even like a homebrew scale. Um, Like, for example, with Talis, that was HBC 692 for a really long time. So you probably could have even had beers in the market that said HBC 692. I'm pretty sure it was. And, um, you know, that's before it was like officially branded and um, launched and everything. So it's kind of a process of slowly like right now, brewers are working with, um, you know, some a small handful of brewers are working with HBCs that are in the like thousands numbers. Um, but it'll still be, you know, at least a couple of years before any of those get branded. Um, so yeah, it's just sort of a slow process, but uh, it's mostly, mostly up to the RSMs to identify, uh, brewers that they want to work with for projects like that. But if brewers are interested in projects like that, they can always contact their RSM and say, Hey, we'd love to get involved with, um, any kind of research brewing that you're doing. And the RSM will probably connect them with me and then we can go from there so um yeah it's, it's definitely like available to any brewer that's interested i would say given that they are willing to to collaborate and, and give feedback because that's what it's all about Great. so if any of the
1: brewers watch out, i know that there are a few people i know that are involved in brewing that actually do listen to it um you'll see a friendly face if you want to try to get involved yeah. with it so yeah <laughs> definitely worthwhile um at least trying if you have any type of interest so yeah
2: yeah leading absolutely. on to
1: cryo Pot,
2: um tell us about cryo i'm excited to drink it mm. yeah so this is a blend of, of cryo hop so um you know cryo hops being a product that we have that's more of like a t45 um, like concentrated lupulin pellet um meaning that you get less of that vegetative bract component and more of the, um, the, the hop oils, the lupulin glands that contain all the, all the juicy stuff that you want. Um, not that the bract isn't important for other things, but it's just sort of concentrated. Um, and so, so, you know, we had cryo hops as a, as a product category, you can get many different types of hops in that format. Um, but the cryo pop is a blend of, um, several different varieties, but the, what makes it special is that the way that we identified what we were going to put into the blend was actually using our analytic, um, our analytical data, uh, from our, you know, our in-house, uh, like chemistry analysis lab, um, who had basically for, for years, we've been working on identifying the, the compounds that are present in hops, that actually survive the brewing process to make it into the final beer. So for, you know, the hop oils that we're talking about all the time, people often want to talk about myrcene, um, you know, humulene, uh, caryophyllene, as these are the biggest component of the hop oil portion of any given hop. But what we've seen is they're actually not very soluble in beer and they don't survive the brewing process. You know, the brewing process has a lot of high heat. There's boiling, there's yeast sedimenting out. There's all kinds of, it's tumultuous uh, environment for a compound. And so these compounds are actually leaving at pretty high rates. So they're not surviving. So why are we talking about them? Why is that the focus? Why are we saying, oh, it's got this much mercine in it when the mercine's not going to, you know, really impact your final beer that much especially if you use it kind of early, like in, in uh, hot side at all. So we used, you know, we did a series of experiments where we did an analysis on the hops and then we brewed with them and did analysis on the beer and just, you know, kind of saying a to B what's going through identified a series of compounds. And then used hop analysis that we do on every harvest lot of every hop that Yakima uh, chief hops receives during harvest. We know what these, com- what these compounds are and how much of them are in every single lot that we receive. So we took that data and we selected um, a handful of hop lots that had the highest quantities of these survivable compounds. So we were like, ignore myrcene, ignore humulene. Uh, let's look at the ones that we know are going to make it into the beer. Um, and then we blended them and that is crowd pop. And then obviously, you know, there were a few iterations. We brewed with it. We made some tweaks. Um, we put it out into brewer's hands. We made some tweaks and um, finally landed on this particular blend, which I feel like um, pretty consistently delivers like super. Well, I'll let you guys tell me what you okay. smell before I say. It smells juicy. Like I smell like, like, juicy. it just smells
1: juicy and I love it.
0: I'm getting grapefruit, some citrus. Yeah, pretty big citrus notes for yeah. sure. I definitely
1: get grapefruit for sure. I almost get like a bit of peachiness. And I don't know mm. if that's just because I'm keen to like yeah. there's the juicy, it's a sweet juiciness, and then my brain goes to peach, but I'm getting like a light peachiness to it.
2: Yeah, peach is one of the big descriptors that our panel has put forward for this one. Like uh-huh. peach and kind of mango, <laughs> those like, yeah, you're yeah,
0: vindicated. Yeah. I've got something. Yeah. <laughs>
2: We need to get you on the panel.
0: She never believes that what she's smelling is right. It's
1: it's normally I'm like, did I get that right? Or like I can smell something in particular, but I can't like it's on the tip of my tongue, but I can't figure it out. And then Joe's like, is it this? And I was like, yes, (laughs) it's exactly what it is
2: it's imposter syndrome I feel like no one ever feels like they're like we talk about
1: it all the time (laughs) so yeah
0: a hundred percent uh yeah she messaged me the other day and she's like there's this she's like there's this I don't know what it is she's like it's not smoky I was like is it woody she's like no I was like is it tobacco and I was like yes it's
1: because that's like a really hard one to explain isn't
2: it tobacco is hard we actually put it under the woody category Category. Yeah, because I was yeah. saying
1: it's. I was like, it's. It's not quite woody, and it's not quite smoky. It's kind of like a blend of the both, and I can't figure out how to describe it. It's on the tip of my tongue, and she said tobacco, <laughs> and I went yes.
0: <laughs> Just means that we've tasted beers too many that times, and I great. know what, she's what beer was that. <sighs> what
1: was yeah. it? Um, I don't even remember what was it that we were. I don't even remember, I don't what remember was that we were drinking. I was oh, drinking.
2: drinking. We drink. It was. It, beers, it, was, it, was nice.
1: it was. It was a dipper uh it was the phantom life in the oh, life and yeah. the fast lane dipper and because Ooh. it was a dipper I don't know I just wasn't expecting it smelled really fruity yeah. so I wasn't expecting the taste to be tobacco-y and I was like I can't I can't place it because the smell is throwing me off of what I'm tasting
2: yeah <laughs> sensory stuff it's crazy I know it's weird when those two things don't align yeah I'll get a little bit of savory but not in a bad way it's, like, that tropical fruit that goes almost, like, overripe. Yes, yeah. For me, like, not in a bad way, but it's, like, really juicy, like, almost yeah. off tropical fruit. Sometimes they say papaya. Yes. because yeah, And papaya be, yeah. can almost go, like, sweaty or something. Like, it's yeah. almost it's- a savory tropical fruit. It's nice, but it's, like, yeah. sitting right on that it's, border. It's not that where sometimes when it, you've got a lot of hop aroma, you
0: get that kind of onion garlic. It's not that no nice. sure yeah it's the nicer side of that, I think I, that I get a bit sense. of like
1: pineapple in it as well because yeah. what, what I'm picking up is kind Definitely of tropical. like where my brain goes is like tropical smoothie meets like cocktail like I think of it made me think of like a pina colada but not heavy on the coconut if that makes sense because it was yeah. that like pineapple juiciness is what the tropical fruits that come through for me
2: and there is kind of a sweet aromatic component, I think, that goes like almost like yeah. honey or vanilla, yeah. maybe. It's, like, it's coming across slightly perfumey to me. Yeah, oh. we got some pretty high floral notes. Yeah. And some of the brews, depends on the application, I think. But so, are there any other like aromas that we should have
1: got that we didn't get from that? Or was that pretty much, did we kind of get things that people normally say or?
2: Yeah, I feel like you guys pretty much nailed it. Yeah. Yes, uh, we're yes. good at this. Yeah, high citrus, <laughs> high tropical, yep. just juicy fruity. Yeah, uh, but with a, a little touch of um, kind of the sweet aromatic notes as well. Yeah, cool. ten out of Amazing. ten. Well Should done. We're going no, for the see. taste. Welcome. Right. Cheers. Guys. Oh yeah, I already did. Sorry.
1: Oh. So did I. <laughs> oh, it's not as um, it's a lot lighter than I thought it was mm. going to be. I think I was expecting it to be this it, it's not thin but I think I was expecting it to be like a heavier thicker because the, the smell was so pungent like in a in a good way that I was expecting it to almost be a bit more like heavier than it was and it's really light and it just feels like I could drink this it's, it's yeah. very sessionable because you, you don't you're not getting overloaded on sweetness or something that's too heavy if that makes sense too too creamy where you're like oh after a while i think i'd be a bit full it doesn't come through like that at all It must they have,
0: have had a nicely good, sessionable minutes. good model
2: then 6%. Um, Oh, that's decent yeah i think yeah. mine's a little higher six six yeah, yeah. um Yeah, that's, it's interesting. The aroma versus the taste thing. I always instruct my panelists actually. So we have a a flavor sheet on the ballot. It's digital, but they smell it and taste it. And that's all the flavors. And then I actually, the next page is the taste page of the ballot. And I actually have them plug their noses because um, there's this phenomenon where you smell something that smells really juicy, fruity, uh, sweet, aromatic, then you're, you're likely to rate the sweetness as higher but the residual sugar could actually be, like, so low, which is, it sounds like is probably kind of the case with what you guys are drinking definitely. when it's on the palate. I think so. It's pretty light. So I actually just have them plug their noses to, like, blank we'll out it. all that biasing. Yeah, it, and it's good for mouthfeel stuff, too, like astringency yeah. and, and warming and stuff, because your your nose will detect a lot of things and tell your brain that it should be a certain way um, when maybe it's not necessarily that way. Yeah, no, I think
1: it it is definitely... That- definitely changes it but it doesn't really change that much I think it does still have that very similar where it's it's like sweet but again it's not I think it smells maybe sweeter than it is and I always find that really interesting how you kind of what you just said a bit of um if you're drinking it you obviously naturally get some of that aroma in as well and that can just mislead you and like Joe and I've sort of done that in the past like I think I'm tasting this but I can't tell if that's just because when I go to take a sip of it that's the first thing that hits me as a smell. Um, yeah sensory stuff is is quite interesting. like do you ever do like blind tasting with your sensory panel because
2: uh... almost always so we blind code everything because if I told you that this is an IPA even just knowing that much you will bring a certain set of um, expectations to the sample we actually have like our um, panelists sit in these booths that have red lighting I don't know if you've ever seen that before in sensory but it I've seen it Yeah. Yeah. So it basically occludes any like biasing visual information um, so that they can't even see the color of the beer or the hops. We use the same um, space for both beer and hops, but either way, we just want them to be focusing on the aroma and the flavor. Um, You know, there's been studies and I cite this study all the time and I actually don't know if it was a real study or what but um i talk about the study all the time i should just like look it up so i can properly cite it but i am pretty sure this happened or maybe it's folk science i don't really know (laughs) but i could see it happening even if it didn't really happen which is that like um people spiked uh like caramel food coloring into bud light and gave it to people and people were like oh it's chocolatey it's um you know i'm getting notes of coffee and tobacco and stuff like that and then they were like it's bud light it's brown bud light um you know so we want to avoid anything like that i had a conversation with somebody
1: that was saying how um they either they knew somebody or it's something some way they had a relationship with this person that does this but um they this person that they know does like wine tasting, and they had two bottles, two distinct sort of bottles, same thing in both, but different labels on them, and they'd be like, Okay, try one, try the other, and then be like, How you know which one did you prefer? Which one did you like more? And then naturally they go to the one that has the more eye-catching label because that's drawn their attention and they've got over that one, and they're like, Why do you like that one? Like, oh, I don't know, it just it felt fuller it felt this it felt that but like really it's the same thing but it was just a you know it's that test to see okay if you put something like in a prettier packaging for example is somebody then gonna go that's that's better because it actually looks like it might be more expensive than another label or something like that and that automatically gives you that unconscious bias already about how you think you're going to react if it's a label you really don't like versus something that you think looks extravagant or more expensive better taste to it your unconscious bias is going to kick in and naturally your brain's already saying I bet I'm going to like that one more and it's just that's that's really interesting no I'd, I'd never seen the red lighting or anything like that so that's quite interesting. It's That's the same as like the, a
0: a white IPA and a and a, um, a white stout and a black IPA, isn't it? Because you pick it up and you think, oh, this is what this is what I'm going to get, and then you don't, and that how your brain works around that is really interesting.
2: It's good to be disoriented that way. Yeah. I think it's it's humbling. If you close your eyes and you drink, something, like we've had black
1: IPAs, or it's like you close your eyes and you drink it, and you're like hang on a minute (laughs) that's yeah this you know or or a white stout. we had we had one the other night and it's just like if I closed my eyes and took a sip of this and then I looked at it I'd be like that's not what that's supposed to look like at all <laughs> what's a white
2: stout I oh do you, have I you ever know ever a white stouts over there i don't think so oh. you not get
1: them they are like hand- i absolutely love white stouts because there's so much like a lot a lot of the times there's so much like white chocolate to them as opposed to like
0: cacao and then you get um the so it's a pale beer but it will have like chocolate coffee how um, roasty so they do it with because so, we look this up we just did this, our <laughs> <pizza> <laughs> this episode. um they'll use a light grain bill but then they'll use like cacao nibs or green coffee so the coffee beans before they roast it so you don't get the color
2: mm. yeah, yeah. Cool. or they'll sprinkle just a little yeah. bit in yeah so i look, don't know if cool you well. can see
0: this photo the lighting <laughs> might mess this up but this right, was my double
1: do. chocolate white stout
0: oh yeah that's what yeah oh my gosh it looks like an idea yeah. yeah yeah, yeah. yeah and they look like wow. they look like an IPA and then you drink it that's and it's wild and, and it's and roasty, and roasty. Like, yeah. yeah oh Ooh, yum. Biscuity, yeah biscuity that's just gorgeous yeah
1: like yeah love it next time you'll have to come like over to the UK and you'll have to yeah, yeah absolutely some white stouts because they're amazing yeah
2: <laughs> I live in obviously I live in hop country so it's like IPAs and every yeah. iteration of an IPA around here and um, I thought you for that, <laughs> that yeah obviously fair. it's, it's yeah. good and it's I, I do quite like IPAs but To be honest, when I'm uh, kind of beer exploring on my own personal time, I tend to gravitate towards uh, not hoppy beers because I don't want to, like, become, you know, tired of the thing I (laughs) have to drink all the time. Try around to know that. Totally, yeah. And I like the – I love the UK beer scene for that. I mean, obviously, there's tons of IPAs now, but um, the traditional beers there being so malt forward – um uh, it's, it's quite interesting because yeah. i think
1: over here and i don't know joe if you disagree or not i think like over here we do get a lot of at least from a consumer aspect everyone's sort of idolizing these u.s breweries and i think we just kind of don't don't realize that there's certain things like white stout that we do over here i wouldn't say we do it all the time but i'd say more regularly that maybe like if you just never seen one before i i just assumed you guys would have had it because i feel like a lot yeah. of what we do is all like oh we want to do something that's like similar to what the u.s scene is doing so that's quite interesting that
2: yeah that you guys don't really have that i mean maybe we do and i just haven't like paid attention huge. yeah totally uh, so it might just it might just be a me thing and not a u.s <laughs> thing but yeah i i'd not really never come across one of those To my knowledge, that's right.
1: I did that same thing with like green hops. I was like, I'd never heard green hop beers until I came here, and then I was like, we don't really have that in the US. And then other people like, yes, we do, and I was like. because oh, yeah, I, cause I, I never anything. knew like I'm from Boston like we never had green hop in right, Boston, yeah. to my yeah. knowledge so I was like we don't have that so I totally can relate to that of like yeah we don't do that and then I'm
0: sure someone will go like yeah we do what are you talking about yeah we do we do it
2: loads <laughs> yeah, yeah and I'm in, I'm in Kent
0: so I'm right where we're growing all the hops yeah like, I'm actually really sad because there's there was a hop field like 15 minutes down the road it was right by a nice little lay by and you could you could park up and you could go and look at the hops oh. in the, hot field. the the since last year because the um requirement for hops went down during lockdown over here the farmers decided that he's not going to grow east kent goldings anymore he's been growing east kent goldings for you know i don't know generations and mm. they've decided not to do it anymore and that i keep driving past that field and they've like great like they weren't growing but the poles were still there I was like maybe they're just maybe they're just making it fallow for a year and they can do it then the poles came down and I'm like no more hop field there's still some oh. more there's still some more in Favishan. there's still more around but not the one that I used to drive past is now empty and they're, they're sewing it with something else and that made me really sad she used to go hop peeping I like did I used to go, be go like, look like, at these they're growing <laughs> I'm like these goldings have grown they're not they're so
2: charming hops are such a charming agricultural product like they're so the fields look so cool and they're all like whimsical yeah I don't know they're just fun doing their thing yeah I've seen people use
1: like hops like green hops picked as like a decoration like there's a a bottle shop near me a hoppy place and they had at least I don't know if they still have it for the longest time they just had green hops like sort of around one of their door frames and I was like this is this looks so nice, and they were like, yeah, yeah we've preserved it we've had it for like x amount of time. It looks yeah. really nice, and I was thinking, like the front of my house, you know how you can have like vines growing up. I was like, "Do you think I could have like hot plants like yeah. growing up the front of my house like vines instead of having like i don 't know v- other vinous plants like would that work totally I don't know. <laughs> you totally can
0: i <laughs> I, I tried that. to grow some this year tried last year from seed, and I got nothing this year. they started growing. And then they got a little they weren't big enough to plant outside and then they just didn't make it. So yeah. I think next year, year's our year, Joe. Next year next year I'm getting in. a rhizome and oh. I'm just gonna I'm gonna do it that
2: way. <laughs> yeah, do a rhizome. <laughs> yeah. I actually have a friend who lives in Thurso, in the far north of Scotland who's grows hops. Not robustly, but they do grow on the north coast of Scotland. Yeah. So say yeah. how if, if you yeah. can do it, if he can do it, you yeah. can do it. Yes, yeah. so I'm like I'm intense. Like this is the soil. This is the place to do yeah, it. Like, I yeah, I just
0: need to. I need to get them going, and then it'll be fun. Next year's our year for sure. Yeah. Um, one more question
1: on the cryopops up. So, so how long oh, sure. from the start of when you started first saying let's develop this, let's do this, um, to the point that it was ready for commercial brewing, like was that a year was that numerous years like how long does that actually that that particular process take
2: i would say closer to numerous years although this particular product is kind of slightly unusual just in that um there was a lot of research that was happening around these survivable compounds before we ever um necessarily said we were going to try to like make a product out of that research you know a lot of it was just research for you know research's sake i guess um but, you know, at, we're not a university or a nonprofit or whatever. So, you know, I think probably they knew in the back of their minds that it would eventually lead to some kind of product development, but it wasn't necessarily like, oh, we're going to, we want to make a blend of cryo hops that does X, Y, Z. It was kind of like, whoa, we have all this research that is super compelling. Um, how can we kind of like use this research to um, you know, help brewers make better beer, basically, which is, the the end goal of most of what we do is to to try to help brewers do their jobs better. Um, And so I think, you know, we had this big body of research and then had this idea of how we could, um, you know, manifest it into a a product. And probably after that idea, it was probably about a year, maybe a year and a half of kind of trying different blends, brewing internally, sending, sending them out as I kind of outlined before um, and then we launched it what last March April I was gonna say I don't think I it was don't that know. far
1: because we had the brew York um yeah. I remember you did the tasting at Bigfoot yeah for that and I think it's it had funny. been out for not a, a massive amount of time yeah think.
2: yeah I'm obviously not a marketing person yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I don't have all these dates but yeah um so yeah, and I would say that's probably pretty typical for a product. You know, we try to be a pretty, um, we try to move pretty quickly when we have ideas for for new stuff. Um, you know, luckily we have a pretty capable R&D team that um, is, is resourced and, you know, given what we need to do, what we need to do and turn it around in a pretty quick way. Um, and I know our sales team and marketing team really like to kind of like push the you know, if we've got something, we want to like, you know, jump on it and make it available. And there's a lot of like excitement around new product releases, which is really fun. Um, so we, we try to move, we try to move quickly and and uh, anticipate needs and, and be prepared to meet them. And, you know, to do that, you have to invest pretty heavily in your systems, but um, cryopop's a pretty good, I don't know, pretty good result. I would say like, um, as someone who, you know, isn't, in sales or marketing and doesn't necessarily need to like ask anyone explicitly to buy it i i really like this product <laughs> like i'm quite happy with how it turned out yeah i, I think it's, it's it.
1: sweet and fruity and just i don't know it's nice what were you gonna say Tim? i
0: like how it works with other hops so we were just saying i i did um mm-hmm. the tasting of brew york's set where they had the single hop and then they mixed it with others i, I think it's really in- i think it's really interesting what it does how it bolsters other hops in
2: different ways like that was really interesting about it as well yeah we were kind of talking about how it's almost like a, it can be used as sort of almost like a salt or like an msg or something yeah. in a brew where it's like um not necessarily dominating but just kind of like lifting other flavors um which i think is a pretty fun one i wish i could yeah. have tried those beers man maybe i'll need to get Oh, yeah they were really <laughs>
1: if i if i thought that i could confidently <laughs> send them to you and they wouldn't get confiscated yeah <laughs> shop near me still has some I still have a set and um the shop near me sells the set I would get them and try to send them to you but I'm not confident they won't I know it's not easy yeah it's right. not normally easy in general to send beer Exactly, because every state is different and they just I know just really don't like it so I, and I think have,
2: s- not even attempting it <laughs> Yeah, I think sometimes someone at the post office is just like, "Hmm, these look good. I can say that there's a law. No one will question me. Yeah
1: yeah my sister was like can I send you she got all oh, I was supposed to go back at Christmas um last year and I couldn't go because obviously oh, in case you didn't know there was a pandemic so I couldn't go um at least over here yeah <laughs> yeah something yeah, like that. Been about. um and so my sister had accumulated all these beers throughout the year for us to try a lot of them thankfully were stouts and sours so they will last like a bit longer um but she had bought all these ones as they were coming in very odd, like small batch, like four small four packs that sell out quite quickly, like the sour patch one, Joe, that I, I sent you. And I was like, yeah. sending Joe, like, I get to go and drink these. This is amazing. Um and then I didn't. And now they're still sitting in her fridge. There's like a Reese's peanut butter stout in there. And I was like, Oh, come on. So she's saving them for when I come home this Christmas, hopefully. And she was like, Can I send you them? And I was like, please don't. I was like yeah. if I just if They'll I watch you try lost. to send me those and they get lost or damaged in the yeah. post I was like I will cry because they are too ex- overall what she's accumulated I was like it's too expensive I can't have you then pay a fortune to ship them and then they get lost or damaged yeah. Yeah. <laughs> they're <laughs> just, precious yeah, yeah they
2: no they're too precious for that <laughs> and it'll make it that much more special too. like you've waited the anticipation has grown like it's going to be awesome exactly and i want
1: to have them with her like i don't like cool i can have them by myself yeah like it's not as fun as sharing that experience i think a lot of like drinking beer i don't know if you guys would agree but a lot of drinking beer for me is the shared experience so like if i have something that's really good and interesting and just something unique that is maybe difficult to get again I don't want to just sit and have it by myself um I could have it with my husband sometimes I do but if it's something that I don't think he'll necessarily fully appreciate I'm like I'll just have to hold on to it and wait until I see Joe or somebody else yeah. because I want to share that experience with someone I know is going to equally appreciate that and that's part of like what's really fun about
0: drinking beer and and enjoying beer so but yeah this is a yeah, especially months. when it's like an interesting beer like this. You want to want to share it with someone that's going to appreciate it. <laughs> <laughs> totally.
2: The number of times I've like brought beer to a party and been like wanting to talk about it and then not wanting to be that person at a party that's like, "Wait, what do you think? What do you taste when you smell like ruining everyone's <laughs> Or <They're> Like, "I'm <laughs> you come to to our out. parties <laughs>
0: because we'll be like,
2: we'll tell you, you tell us what you yeah. think
0: too."
1: That's literally us. Like, I mean like, I yeah. I brought beers into work because they were <laughs> you know, we have like our, our office has like um peronies in it and stuff. And I was like, that's that's fine, like that's not a problem. And I was like, but I'm gonna like just bring bring some stuff in from a local brewery and just put it there and if you drink it I mean that's that's cool too yeah. and, uh, and then they started drinking it and one of the guys was like I had this one it's just there was there was so much like flavor I was like what'd you get what'd you get of it <laughs> and, and then we spent like time going back and forth on like chat being like have you tried this one have you tried that one and I was like I could sadly just talk all day about beer and beer tasting and stuff like that and I was like I don't normally like to do that because I know no one wants to hear that but when he was engaging me I was like you've come to me this is your fault. yes yeah yes yeah he
2: made his bed now he must lay yep. in it yep. exactly I
1: was like you did this um, but yeah, I get like stuff like this, where do you kind of draw the inspiration from? Is it like do you do you say I've spotted a problem, like a brewer is having a problem, how do we solve that problem? Or is it a more proactive approach where you're like this could be interesting, let's do that or I'm aiming for this taste or is it a combination of all of them?
2: Yeah, I would say it's definitely a combination. I mean, I think like um you know, the cryo hops, not the cryo pop, but cryo hops in general, were in large part kind of a response to, um, brewers who were using these really high hopping rates, but were having issues with, um, like too much material, too much beer loss. Um, you know, when you have to add tons of dry hops to get these, you know, new England IPA styles, or even just, you know, any really hoppy IPA, um, it's a lot of material to add and it can really gum up the works and, um, add a lot of kind of brack material, which can throw some pretty green flavors that people aren't necessarily looking for. Um, so that was kind of like a problem solution, but then we also just, you know, we have a really good sales and marketing team who very much have their finger on the pulse of like what brewers are looking for, what flavors they want. Um, so for cryo pop, for example, um, you know, we knew that brewers right now are really trying to achieve these super tropical, really citrusy, um, Flavor, juicy flavors in their beers. Like the juicy IPA is like king in craft right now. And so we wanted to help them do that and like give them something that might be a little u- more user-friendly than um, trying to come up with these blends on their own. And, you know, there's so much variation in hops. It's an agricultural product. So lot-to-lot variation can can be pretty big. You know, terroir, like um, year-to-year variation. Um, so, you know... Brewers who are just starting out, for example, might not quite have um, as much uh, I, I don't know, might, might not have the his historical background of knowledge to to adjust to those kinds of changes. So it can be nice to have something that's just going to like perform pretty reliably and then build recipes around that or whatever. So that was just kind of uh, the result of us being aware of what brewers were looking for and what what consumers were looking for and, and trying to you know make something to, to help brewers achieve that.
1: It's pretty cool. I've got I've got a serious question, Joe. I feel like okay. you might be able to figure out where I'll go with this. In the US, do you have the term juicy boy? Do people call beers juicy boys?
2: <laughs> mm. Okay. No. I would say I hear crispy boy all the yeah. time. Yeah, okay. So yeah. crispy boy translates. Juicy boy doesn't. doesn't, doesn't. Okay, juicy okay. boy misses me personally, but again, like you said, it's yeah. a big and we'll <laughs> say juicy, and I would maybe even say I would say, I would probably say just, I would probably just say juicy, but. Juicy. Would
1: people say juice know. with like five zero, like five O's? Like would they just go like Ju- juice? juice. Like, does that yeah. translate? Yeah. Yeah, yeah, that
0: translates. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah, they do that. Just anyway.
1: trying to figure out the similarities. It's not just juicy. I had to ask. Juicy. Yes, juice. 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 Yeah, yeah,
0: yeah, that's yeah. where we go.
1: But yeah, we just needed to check that because people are going to yes. want to know that. That's the real. It is important, important terminology.
0: Important yeah. terminology. Yeah. Yeah. The we've got
1: scientists, and we we this is scientist approved.
0: <laughs> yes, <laughs> this is a word.
1: <laughs> <laughs> I couldn't not take that advantage, uh, just ask yeah, that question. Yeah. Yeah. I um, completely
2: apologize. You. When,
1: when, when you're developing hops, do you kind of and this maybe this is something you don't necessarily know, but it's fine if it's not. Um, do you know more or less what flavors you're kind of expecting to get out of the hops you're developing? Or is it more you kind of blend and mix like if you're blending hops or something do you kind of go oh roughly this is what i want or do you kind of wait until after it's done to go oh here's we thought these two would be interesting together and here's what the
2: result is so you're talking about hop blends and not the creation of new hop varieties yeah um yeah so for most blends there's kind of a target i would say um yeah i would say most blends there's a target because otherwise we would just use single hops that exhibit characteristics, but like, if we can't get those characters, if we can't seem to get those characteristics out of any single hop, then a blending situation can be good. Um, so yeah, we're working on like this, uh, you know, cryo pop series. We're probably going to release more that have um, different kind of flavor profiles, but are in the same family. Um, so I probably can't say much more than that, except that we are working on like kind of more, Flavor targeting, but that's not really new. I mean, um, we you know we've we've done blends to try to like um, mimic certain hop profiles that maybe maybe for hops that like um, like a German Perla, for example, is a hop that we can grow Perla in the Pacific Northwest, but we can't make it taste like German Perla because it will it will taste more. It'll be more citrusy and more um, fruity, and um, actually, a lot of brewers are not looking for that for beers that they're using German Perla and they want it to be um, just really herbal and like chill and like mellow, mellow, mellow for their crispy boys. <laughs> and so they don't want to use, you know, Pacific Northwest Perla. That's like going to be really citrusy and punchy. Um, so sometimes we'll do blends to try to, um, you know, help Im- imitate a, a flavor profile that a, a brewer might be looking for, but that's um, I would say not quite as usual because actually more, more, what people are looking for is those bigger flavors it's very rare that anyone wants less yeah Yeah. (laughs) fair enough when you've got something
1: like talus that obviously is kind of like a related to you know other hops and that um did you kind of know well given it's sort of related to sabro it's gonna have a coconutty taste to it or was that more of like an experiment of like
2: let's just see what happens with it yeah, well, the new variety development process is actually like close to eleven years, um, because you know you can only you can only grow hops once a year, so you only get one shot per year at any given cross, um, and there's tons of screening that has to happen. So actually, like flavor and aroma and stuff doesn't really come into the mix for the first little while. There's a lot of um, agronomic stuff that actually needs to be considered so is it resistant to powdery mildew is it resistant to um you know different pest, um t- to different disease you know hot targeting diseases is it um you know what what's its yield does it give like big dense cones or is it pretty sparse um is it you know how much water does it need um you know there's all these all these different uh considerations from a from an agronomic perspective um that are really important because a hop could smell like the rainbow, but if a farmer can't grow it without, you know, ruining their lives, (laughs) it's not worth it. So um, all of those considerations are huge at the beginning. And then it's not until you get a little bit later in the process that you start sticking noses on the cones and um, seeing if there's anything new and interesting, because the only reason you'd really want to release a new hop, there's so many hops to choose from. So why, you know, if, you want to release hops that are doing something different, um, and unique. And so if you're smelling through a field of hops and you find one that smells amazing, but it smells amazing in the way that mosaic smells amazing, um, then is that worth putting a lot of like investment into? Probably not. But if you pick one up and it smells like coconut and you're like, I never smelled coconut in a hop before that's something quite interesting. And that's kind of those like Neo-Mexicanus, um, lines that have been really popular, um, like Sabro and, they get that really um coconutty woody character that um you definitely don't get out of the likes of citron mosaic and stuff so um i don't i feel like i just want to ramble and i don't know if i even answered your question no you definitely did no you 100 you 100 percent did did.
1: interesting. <laughs> like honestly, you could say whatever. I, I'm just yeah, all these. Like- we've got. We know that we're not going to get like even 3 We're just going to have to skip half the questions because it's like <laughs> we've got so many questions, and it's like I feel like we're just overloading you with all of them. Um, should we just quickly have have Would our second me- beer? I- and you could sure. tell us. So basically, we both have um a hop up. So I don't think I think. I don't know if yours is only Idaho seven, I've got a mix of Idaho seven, but I know like in our email exchanges, it mentioned sensory, sensory hop of the month. Um, so I thought maybe you could tell us more about what the sen- sensory hop of the month program is. And then maybe you could tell us a bit about Idaho seven in particular. So,
2: Sure. Yeah. So we were kind of doing something in tandem with um, the kind of sales and marketing team where they were, were trying to kind of shine a spotlight on, on certain varieties each month. And so we kind of were going to do something alongside that where, Um, we basically would uh, get a bunch of beers from the market that used that specific hop um, and taste through them as a group because uh, ideally single hop varieties, we actually get a lot of beer um, sent to us uh, with all the different hops that we grow and sell. But as a sensory, as sensory scientists, we're always really interested in single hop beers because as much as they're not like maybe the most exciting or dynamic beers, and sometimes they are, but often they're not, Um, we really want to know what a hop does in a beer. And if I'm trying to tell you about what Idaho seven in beer, but I've only ever had ones where it's Idaho seven Simcoe and mosaic Idaho seven and Citra. And, you know, I'm like, well, I think it's this, but I don't know what was, you know, there's so many other factors. Yeah. Um, so anyway, just kind of training for our own knowledge because we get asked these questions all the time. So just trying to like focus on, on single hops, um, each month has fallen off a little bit as we get busier and closer to uh, harvest. But Idaho seven is one of my favorite hops, um, to smell on the table, like to, to assess raw or like not Mm in beer. Um, it is so consistently good. Like when, when, you know, we smell it almost well, we smell every lot of hops that gets delivered and it's thousands and thousands during harvest. Um, and so, you know, we're smelling a lot of hops during that time. Nose fatigue is real i was gonna ask yeah. do you ever just go nose blind yeah. where you're just like i we, can't we have, smell anything <laughs> we have to set it we limit the number of samples we can do a day so we get behind really fast but we do maximum 60 a day in sets of 10 and That's then try to lot. wait at least an hour between each set That's of 10 me. and we just spend all day like i mean all day smelling yeah. off which is it's a great experience it's yeah. really good training but it's, it is fatiguing i actually yeah. have a little like facial steamer Um, everyone kind of makes fun of me because it sits on my desk and I'll just like like breathe in steam between because like I don't know, it's really dry here.
0: Yeah, you've got to clean out the palate and yeah, yeah. yeah. I was gonna say, do you have any tips
1: for like like okay, you've been smelling something like you've been really focusing on trying to pick out smells and something? And then okay, you're gonna go smell something else. Do you have any tricks or tips of like how you can sort of just even just quickly Clear. I've heard like, uh, just do this and smell your smell your arm. Or is there anything yeah. else that that you could tell us?
2: Yeah, I would say like definitely trying to smell something just like neutral is ideal. You know, there's for a while coffee beans was the yeah. thing, but um, it's more fatiguing. It's a really strong aroma and it's different from the other aromas, but it's still gonna um impact your ability to pick out. I mean, there are hops that have some aromas that are similar to things you could get in coffee. So if you're blasting you know, your nose with something that strong, you're probably going to lose sensitivity. So we use like, um, unscented moist towelettes, like what you might get handed out on on an airplane or something. Um, the moisture is kind of helpful and then it's just unscented. So it's not going to interfere, but if you don't have that, yeah. Crook your arm, whatever for beer, we use, um, unsalted saltine crackers. Uh, so we'll just call them teens because if they're unsalted, <laughs> are they saltines? I don't know. I guess they're called it not all that. <laughs> <laughs> and water. But um, I was actually attended a seminar recently where they were talking about um, research that had been done on palate cleansing and how actually most, most of it is like a placebo. And really, it's just time. And time is truly the only thing that's going to like restore your receptors um so you might feel like you're doing something by eating a cracker like sniffing a moist towelette but truly at the end of the day the most uh cleansing thing is just like a two-minute wait but we don't always have that kind of time you know (laughs) not not what you're trying to do examples
1: a day and all that um yeah yeah
2: Yeah. joe i know you've got some questions about sensory stuff oh sorry go ahead Oh, I just think I, I kind of trailed off and failed to answer your question right. about Idaho 7. And I was just yes. gonna say that um it always smells so good on the table. Like when yeah. you know we blind code ourselves, so when we're assessing a sample and filling out the ballot, we don't know what it is. Um we know we have no information about it, which is important. Um, and I feel like 90% of the time when I'm like, dang, that smells amazing, and then I go look it up after my assessment, it's like Idaho 7 every time. And I yeah. I don't know, some people it's a little aggressive on the like pine woody. No, so I don't know how good of a single hop it always necessarily is, but I quite like those notes. So for me, it's a, it's a, one of my favorite hops, but, um, I, I can understand why people might not love it on its own and would want to blend, blend out that, um, woodiness, but I think it's so grapefruity and kind of bubblegummy and yeah. You know, I I was going to
1: say, like, I I know you had questions, Joe, but before we got to your questions, because we had some questions on your sensory panel stuff, and then there was some, Joe had some even more specific, like, no dear questions. And we we definitely wanted to talk to you about Frozen, uh, the Fresh Frozen Hubs, Frozies. I was was going to say Frozies and then I was like, I was going to say that. And and, uh, the pink boot stuff, we want to try to fit all that (laughs) in. But just quickly, because obviously I don't think it's good for us to try to give you what we're smelling and tasting because of the fact that mine's definitely not single hop, so I don't think I'll be able to really do much.
0: Mine's well pulled with Citra, and it was dry hopped with Citra Strata and Nelson Sauvin, as well as the Idaho 7. So I was going to say, with the aromas and great. notes. Yeah, it
1: smells amazing. I had that one. I really liked it. It smells amazing. Yeah. Yeah. Um, i think it
2: does play well with others i mean yeah trying it in blends is still valuable i mean most brewers aren't making single hot beers so it is pretty important to know like whether or not it's ruining <laughs> beers that it's being blended into obviously it's not or else it wouldn't be a yeah big as big a hop variety as it is but um but yeah blends are still really good we just get really nerdy with it sometimes i like getting if, nerdy though I've, yeah, i like definitely. made a little collection of single hot beers so that i could sit and be like
0: right i'm gonna try this one now so i know what that's like in beer and what the yeah. waiver is i guess, got the yeah. white hag
1: um smashed yeah. smash hop series because you had said
0: it was really good for like a single hop training yeah uh, so I, train I got like a bunch yeah. so that you know so, what yeah. so you know how you pick it up yeah and when you try another beer and you're like what's this oh, what are there something in this i really like oh it's idaho seven or yeah. Citra or whatever it's just really good for training yourself for your tastings I think yeah that's super smart yeah
1: if if we were to have a single hopped Idaho 7 like what aromas would we be getting and what should we be tasting from an Idaho 7 single hopped beer if we
2: had those big questions because it would depend it would depend on a lot of factors but um I would say predominantly you're probably going to get um a really high citrus note for me it usually comes through grapefruit maybe almost like grapefruit pith like almost um skin or Um, that sharpness that almost borders on like a resinous woody citrus meets woody um, because I also always get pretty high pine, um, pine resin Christmas tree kind of vibes. Um, And then I I do often get like a a pretty fruity, I would say tropical maybe like pineapple, which pineapple always feels a little bit close to citrus. Um, And then, depending on the law or how it's used you can get a lot of like pretty tropical stone fruity notes out of it as well um and then i always get like a little a little bit of a bubblegum note as well uh depending on how it's used as well but yeah i'd say those are typically what
0: i get when you said bubblegum, i was like there's something sweet in this And I can't quite pick it out. And when you said bubblegum, I was like, ah, that's what it is. Yeah. I wasn't quite picking it out. But yeah, there's a really, a real sweetness. And I was like, it's a bit floral. It's a bit sweet. It's not tropical. It's not tropical and it's not citrus. It's bubblegum is what it is.
1: Mine's definitely citrus. It's like, for me, it's very much um, like lemon. Like I get a lot of like kind of lemon in it in the sense of like almost a US kind of lemonade type Way Mm. of lemon, yeah, um, where there is kind of that sweetness to it, but not overly so. So yeah, it's interesting. The second you said citrus, I was like, "That's definitely what I'm getting." So, Mm. but yeah, Joe, I'll let you. You had some questions. I'll let you ask yours.
0: (laughs) I suppose my. So you've got is it the sensory dome that you've got that the?
2: We call it the The, aroma dome. The
0: aroma dome. That's it. I saw. I watched that name is amazing. So (laughs) So dumb.
2: (laughs) I love it. I feel really bad because, um, I, you know, we, I came up with it and, um, it was just a joke. Like, yeah. cause we actually had this thing called the Tacoma dome, which is like such a local reference to Washington state. It's like not even funny. I think they bulldozed it. Maybe it's still there. Sorry, Tacoma dome, if you're still there, but you know, it just kind of rhymed and rolled up. And you actually don't need to know that reference to think it's kind of funny. Cause it's still sort of like a nice, um, internal rhyme scheme or whatever, but uh, I think we just said it as a total joke, and then it really got picked up by uh, everyone. Just kind of when we were uh, building the project, everyone just kind of kept like like, "Oh, and the Aromadome, da 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 da." But we were kind of joking, but then it sort of became the name. Yeah. And then like the like whole company, so, you know, it's like on our website, and they made us yeah. this like cutout metal thing that says like "Welcome to the Aroma dome. and not it's not even it a better. dome. It's not even a dome. It's just a regular <laughs> building.
1: That's brilliant like I just like you could challenge people to like a, a
2: sensory off where you're yes, like I'm gonna have a sensory off in the, the aroma dome, you. The well, aroma dome. The <laughs> like wrestling yeah absolutely it. that was going- totally the vibe and I don't know I, it just got out of hand really quickly speak yeah, to your marketing team you need to speak to your marketing
1: team you can get on the socials you can be doing TikToks like wrestling style challenging <laughs> people to sensory offs while teaching them about sensory things <laughs>
2: We've actually talked about doing like the sensory Olympics or something where you do like that thing where you put your head, maybe this is really American, but you put your head on a bat of like a yeah, I, I know and go really in American. a circle. Um, it's very American, get, but I know it is. Get, so. get really dizzy and then like yeah. run across the field and then go like smell some beer and try to like say what the aromas are. Or something. That sounds amazing. I want to see this. I don't
1: know. That is brilliant. The Aromadome. Can I just, before yeah. Joe, can I just say something? When you mentioned baseball, this is nothing to do with beer, but I found out for the first time how weird our American sports are. Did you know that U.S. sports do not have, like, dance cams and kiss cams and stuff like that? They just they don't have them. That's,
2: That's not what true. We
1: There's no Wait. dance cams.
2: In the U.S.?
0: Don't. No, in the U.K. Yeah, no, we don't. Oh, you mean, said U.S. You said U.S. Okay. Oh, sorry, I meant, sure sorry. Yeah, no, I meant
1: no, in don't. the U.K., they don't have things like dance cams. no.
2: Why we what's have the that? point of going Did, well that's, that's what, what i we said. said that's <laughs> I why i do watch sports yeah
0: pass. they, act, like, they actually they actually watch people actually watch the actual sports
2: the second
1: you said oh, like well. oh we spin on a baseball bat i was thinking like <laughs> no one's gonna people over here aren't gonna get that but also does it matter because they don't even have dance <laughs> cams so no. what's the point so <laughs> anyways, don't, joke, don't don't carry i will don't say
2: your... i will say that your guys's song game is much uh stronger so the the group chance yeah uh the sing-alongs are superior yeah. in the uk yeah. for sure my husband
0: would be able to talk on that for a little bit i think they don't really do <laughs> yeah. like slow
2: claps as
1: much no. like, i feel like we can do a mean slow clap in the us <laughs> the uk is like
0: it's just not <laughs> that yeah. it we're is. just gonna we're gonna tell the referees blind <laughs> <laughs> yeah yeah
2: <laughs> a lot of passion yeah Oh, yeah, right? yeah, but
1: then you can say that. But being from Boston, like sports yeah. passion is definitely yeah. Yeah. quite high. So I'm most at that level. But Joe, back to your actual beer-related <laughs> right. questions. A so
0: my my questions are are or the question is how, how do you train your sensory people? Um, like what things do they do to like calibrate their palates? And at what level do they need to be in that? When you're like right, you're gonna you're now going to provide us with data because Yeah,
2: man. That's like, yeah, that's the big question. That's a huge question. It's what we spend a lot of our time, um, developing and implementing is panelist training and validation. Um, you know, for, for the hop panel, it starts with just smelling tons of hops. Like there's just no way around it. You have to get your nose into tons of hop samples. Um, just start, you know, I know when I first started with hop sensory, it was like, smells like hops, smells like hops, (laughs) smells like hops. Like I was like not getting any nuance, but after, you know, your 50th sample, you start to kind of be able to like blank out that background hoppiness and pick up on the nuances. So we actually encourage anyone who wants to join our hop sensory panel to participate in harvest sensory, which is when there are, you know, 50 plus samples a day that we need to get noses on. And we try to get at least five people to smell every single lot as well. So hooey, it's big, but, um, but that's the best way to like, just jump in Feet first um, but then so in addition to just smelling a lot of hops as a group and talking about what we're smelling um, we also for both hops and beer um, panel have um, reference standards so we try our best to create like a perfect example of every single aroma on our ballot and there are over 80 mm-hmm. um, they're grouped into bigger categories but of uh, the smallest possible category I think we have around 80 terms um, you know so for example within citrus we have, lemon, lime, lemongrass, grapefruit, and orange. Um, and so we have standards for each one of those things. And, um, you know, we'll have like a citrus day or a citrus station and we'll have all those um, aromas out and people can smell them and we'll have them fill out, you know, a little worksheet kind of, um, you know, example um, describing how they tell the difference between them, what's your little cue, like when you smell orange, How do you separate it from lemon? What about that aroma says orange to you, you know, and then we try to get them to really remember that. And so we have kits of these uh, reference standards, we call them that have like 25 different aromas in them and these little vials and we'll go through and smell them. We also do like repeated measures tests. So during regular panel we'll slip in sample, you know, and they don't have any idea that they're being tested. This is just part of their regular panel duties, but we'll, we'll run the same hop through twice. Um, you know, we'll give it to them at the beginning and then at the end or whatever, and see, are they rating the same hop the same way, um, you know, multiple times? Yeah. Are they consistent about how they're rating it? Um, we'll spike samples with beer and hop, So we'll like squirt some of that reference standard into um, a hop sample or a beer sample and see if they rate that um, particular aroma really high. And as far as validation, um, we we're still kind of developing like something that's uh, more scientific or like uh, solely data-driven. But for now, we just kind of keep an eye on people's performance and we, we record their performance on all of these different things. Um, and once we kind of see that they're consistently aligning with the rest of the panel, they're identifying spikes when we send them through, they're consistently um, rating the same hop or beer sample over time, um, then we start to include their data. They get a you know validation or whatever. Okay. Um, and there are some panelists who like we don't um, we haven't used their data and they're just still training. They're still participating and doing everything that the rest of the panel is doing. But maybe they're new to it. Um, and so we're just they're still on panel. They're doing everything the panel is doing, but we're leaving their data out for now until we see that progress toward um, a little bit more consistency and acuity. Okay.
0: And how do, how do you become a, one of your people on your sensory panels?
2: It's all an internal, it's all internal. So everyone who's on our panel works at YCH and has other roles. Um, And you would think it, I don't know, we have probably 30 panelists total. Some people do just hops. Some people do just beer um, and some people do both. Um, But, you know, they've got full-time other jobs to do and people are busy. um, So, you know, people have to do a pretty um, honest self-assessment of their capacity because it is quite a commitment to be on sensory panel. There's a lot of training. um, There's panel itself. Um, But it's really fun. I mean, anyone, yeah, anyone can do it if they're interested. Um, We're always kind of recruiting, Um, you know, you have to go through some trainings and then, uh, you know, welcome aboard. So we have, we have pretty good participation at this point. It was a struggle at first, but now that our team's grown a little bit, we've been able to hire some more people and um, spend a little bit more time, you know, making, being a panelist, like a fun and rewarding work activity or whatever. Yeah. Oh, that sounds amazing. I would love to do that.
1: <laughs> I was gonna say, like if, if we just if we just happen to be yeah. traveling around the area. <laughs> how oh would my you gosh. In
0: just
1: drop you in guys ever get out hey. to Yakima just drop in, in and, and be a panelist for a day? That would be like insane. That would be
2: so cool. You would be more than welcome to <laughs> ever find yourself out. Most people we in the brewing industry that. make it to Yakima at some mm-hmm. point just because yeah. it is sort of the epicenter, the hop epicenter. Um so keep keep an eye out for opportunities
1: to do that I mean I mean you guys so like you're based obviously in the US but do you guys have bases elsewhere because I know um so I helped out a brewery at Bigfoot Festival for example and one of the people that came up to our stand was I think one of probably the regional sales people uh in the UK it it was someone that was from the US but I didn't know if they were sort of based here or if they had kind of flown over for festival season for example um and keeping up those because I I found the festivals were quite important for building those relationships and and kind of having those conversations that get to happen face to face that don't always happen when you're back in a brewery um so are those people sort of based in other countries or do they just fly over and come visit or how, how does that actually work yeah, we
2: have loads of sales staff based in their region. So um, I, think we, I think we have like five, between five and 10 people in the UK alone that are based there permanently. Um, but we have a um, kind of a headquarters in Belgium. So there's quite a few people. Where, we have a big ware, warehousing. And um, so it's kind of a hub, like a shipping hub. But then there's also a lot of people working there. Um, and then we also have something similar in Hong Kong. But we've got, you know, sales staff all over the world, basically any country with a brewing scene, we've got at least one person there Um, and then all over the US as well. So yeah, pretty, pretty international at this point. And then we're also um, expanding in Canada. So we're going to have a little headquarters in in Canada as well coming up uh, soon. So yeah, getting our little fingers out in the world, Um, but still the majority, you know, all the, obviously because all the production is here. Then all the quality, you know, and then research and developments here and marketing yeah. and a huge internal sales staff as well that kind of um, they all have their counterparts that are out in the region. And then they're here to kind of connect the, the field staff with the with the mothership, so to speak. It's cool,
1: it's quite interesting. Yeah. Um, I know we've overrun, but do you have time for like a few more questions? I do. So a few absolutely. more things we
2: hundred percent want to go. Joe,
1: I'll let you I know how excited you are with Frozzy's, so um, I'll let yeah, you're the
0: the so being in kent like green hot beer is coming up soon here. So when we heard about um frozies about your flash frozen hot so you're
2: calling them frozies because you must have watched a seminar that I was in I
0: watched the (laughs) seminar I was like I'm gonna call it frozies and I'm like I'm calling it frozies then because that just sounds fun I, I remember um, you we're did gonna that make tasting
1: it you you did the tasting at Bigfoot and then you came back yeah. and we were talking about green hops or something yeah. and then you went yeah someone from like Yakima was there yeah. and, and was saying about how like oh we might have a fix for something yeah. we'll see what's my- happening soon and we guessed we were like it's going to be frozen yeah. hops isn't so it and- my
0: my favorite question to ask a brewery is have you ever done a green hop beer <laughs> Yes, and then because yeah. I'm, like, I'm like, you know, it, where you're positioned, are you near somewhere where you can get green hops? And like, so I was asking Brew York, had you ever done a green hop beer? They were like, no, because you know, we we tend to just use American hops, so we don't really use English hops. And um, they had a, a representative from Yakima Chief Hops, and he was like, well. There's something we're working on. Yeah, that you yeah, might, yeah. like you, you'll be excited about. So that might change. And I was like, oh. <laughs> she came back. They <laughs> we were like, like "What <laughs> be? It's frozen hops. It's definitely. Ha- it has I was like, to they frozen hops. They're <laughs> going to find a way to get those green hops over here. It's got to be frozen
2: because how else are
0: they going to get them over here? So then, when when that came out, I was like, <laughs> yes. Hopped onto that webinar. Watched it. Hopped
2: all about on. the frozies.
0: So yeah, yeah. I think the uh,
2: the marketing team was like. Everyone's calling them Frozies now. <laughs> I was like, sorry, <laughs> made like, it happen. She's we like, that's, happen. that's
1: what we call them now. Like she watched the webinar. Yeah. She came out. She's like, yeah, just so you know, they're called cool yeah. Frozies. That's what they're called. Like, all, all, oh, the cool, all the cool going kids are gone yeah,
0: that's, that's what we're gonna call them. That's what we're calling
2: them from now on. Oh man, um, they're gonna kill me. <laughs> <laughs> um,
0: did that go along the lines of, like, you realize that there was a gap in the market for that, and so it was like, right, how how are we gonna fix this? problem totally
2: i mean you'll be aware being you know in hop country that like fresh hop beer we call them fresh hops i think you guys call them green we hops. call them green um, yeah and then i think we're trying to like call them wet hops or yeah something. wet hops so the three all the, the hops are fresh but whatever and yeah. all the hops are green so it's like yeah language <laughs> um anyway that fresh wet green hops um yeah you know you have like 24 hours from picking to brewing and the yeah. the, the the um, coordination that that requires is just like, I don't even like to think about it because it makes my head hurt and it gives me anxiety. Um, And so, you know, that's a real challenge, but it's also such a fun thing to work with. You get such different flavors um, and it's just such a cool connection. You know, again, that's like such a big thing for Yakima chief is like connecting the farmers and the growers, uh, sorry, connecting the brewers and the growers. um, And I think that green wet hops are like, kind of the epitome of connecting those two players yeah. um but you know you'll just be sol uh, if you're not in the right region or whatever and we have even had like i mean we've flown like overnight we had like a brewery i think it was in korea or japan maybe i think korea though um that had us like fly them they paid to have like fresh hops flown wow so that they could do a brew and I don't know what they would have paid for that yeah, and that I hope that good. it was worth it for them and I hope they had a lot of fun with it but like most breweries are not uh swimming in that kind of dough so even uh, doing something like that
1: do you have to keep them like like
2: chill like above yeah they still have to be kept to be able, yeah they to still do have to be that. kept really hold hold fresh hops actually really um like flammable so you have to be really careful like it's it's a whole thing like they'll (laughs) spontaneously combust in piles. um wow truly uh so yeah you have to dry them out i mean that's why we dry them out for to preserve them um i mean not that's not the only reason but that's a huge part of it and so anyway it's just a really special thing and then you know there's um so in yakima valley you know hops are huge we're one of the biggest hop growing regions in the world obviously but then also Tons of other produce, uh, tree fruits and berries, and um, I mean, you name it, it grows really well here. We just have a really, really great growing region um, because of the 300 days of sunshine a year. But then proximity to the mountains means we have tons of water for irrigation. Um, and then the soil's just quite good and whatever. Anyway, there are a lot of, um, you know, pr- produce, producers, mm-hmm. producers. <laughs> um, <laughs> That do, you know, uh I it's a process called IQF, which is uh something quick frozen. Anyway, I'll stop talking about things I don't know about, but basically <laughs> it's a process for preserving, it's like flash freezing or whatever, I think something along those lines. And it's a proprietary process that that you know that they've developed to like just really instantaneously freeze a I think the company we work with is really well known for doing blueberries. So they f- freeze them and they keep all the nutrients and all the flavor. Um, and the and the structure and everything and so you buy these frozen blueberries and they're perfectly intact and they taste amazing whatever, um, and so I think the wheels started turning like could we do that with hops and um, t- you know again we did a bunch of trials and brewed and we did um, the, a, a, a difference test which is like we, we use a tetrad test um, I don't know this is like a sensor like a sensory test um, okay. where you basically have two samples of two beers so four total and you blind code them you you randomize them and then you have tons of people see if they can group them correctly into their like identify the diff the two that are the same and therefore yeah. different does that make sense yeah, yeah, yeah um, it does yeah yeah uh, it's so hard to explain weirdly um and it's just a way to see if there's a perceptible difference between two products and uh people couldn't really tell the difference between a beer that was brewed with true green hops and a beer that was brewed with these frozen green hops. And so we were like, okay, this works. Um, But logistically, can we ship things? I mean, they have to be not just frozen, but like really frozen. They have to be like super cold shipped, um, which is expensive and challenging. And so we did a whole bunch of, um, you know, trials where we put uh, temperature trackers and all these things on these, um, you know, shipping pallets and ship things to breweries and monitored if the temperature was remaining consistent and then had the breweries, you know, give us feedback on how, how did they look when they arrived, how did they brew, et cetera. And it all, you know, lined up and worked well. And so, yeah, we released the product and it's pretty exciting. And if I were a brewer that was somewhere that couldn't get fresh hops, I would be uh, pretty, pretty excited to get my paws on some. Yeah, I think they're really exciting
0: because green hop beer is just so interesting anyway. And yeah. then having that, the opportunity to get green hops from somewhere else and then potentially, you know, if you keep those frozen, you can do green hop at a different time of year, like so you Absolutely. Can get those amazing flavors at a different time. Like that's just really exciting.
2: And another thing that we think is really fun is you can blend hops that you could never have blended fresh yeah. before because of the pick windows, um, which opens up a whole new kind of realm of possibilities, of flavor there as well. So
0: yeah, that was really interesting in the, in the webinar that I watched because yeah, I, I hadn't even thought about that. That wouldn't have um, even crossed my mind. Yeah, that. You yeah, know, I, can't I thought green hops. It that's was. it. <laughs> because that, that, yeah. yeah, two two of the different ones. Because I know when we have green hop here, um, that quite a few of the local breweries we we have a festival in our park with with the with the ones that are local. But there's always one local brewery that has their green hop beers last, be- at, and towards the end of the month because they use the later cropping hops so theirs aren't ready yeah. for that time so having that option to be able to blend different ones that you wouldn't normally that's that that's just opening up that palette of flavors and aromas to brewers it's amazing yeah it's exciting yeah end to end how long did that process then take to sort of experiment with that or roughly obviously it doesn't
1: have to be exact but I'd say about
2: a year We I think mm. we brewed well we brewed the beers for that tetrad test fresh hop time last year so harvest so like September um, and then spent the whole year kind of testing all the shipping logistics and um, storage logistics and stuff um, and brewing with ones we had stored and uh, different things and, um, and everything. I think, you know, if, if things hadn't gone as well as they did, I don't know if we would, a year timeline is pretty tight for a release. If anything had been like, Oh, that didn't work. Like the temperature went way up on the shipping container for some reason we're not really sure why we got to go investigate or oh we brewed six months later but it tastes like garbage okay what's going on but none of that really happened so we Mm. we were able to move forward at a pretty fast clip on this one that's that's quite yeah it's quite interesting i think uh, like over here the people that we've
1: spoken to we've had conversations with have all sort of been a bit um nervous about the idea of like oh but what if what if now the american hops are now going to overtake English hops and and suddenly um you know everyone wants to use American green hops for their green hop beers instead of English ones. And and I've I mean my viewpoint was, you know, I think the great thing is though, is it now gives you variety. And actually, I think what you guys have done is actually gonna boost a resurgence in English green hot beers within the craft industry because I think you guys will probably speak more to the craft industry than maybe to the traditional industry. Um, And so I think a lot of the green hot beers that I've come across since Joe taught me about them last year have all been, the majority have been from traditional breweries. Um, And I think maybe what you've kind of, done as the, the royal you uh, is kind of open that door to more craft breweries to go here try some green hot beers with this and if if you actually like what you're doing here then they'll probably come back around and go now let's do something a bit more traditional and it was it will cycle back around do you see there being any competition there or do you think it's going to be more of a working together sort of thing
2: yeah I really like the way you put that and I, I hadn't really thought about that aspect of it but I bet if craft brewers like are able to brew with uh green hops of the hops that they're familiar with you know they're comfortable with these um you know american hops that they've been using in their ipas for years then yeah maybe some additional interest would be because they're really for different styles i mean exactly the, yeah. The, yeah the hop the two regions of hops are like um so different and um i i don't see them in direct competition really because it's just you the utility is so different i would say um so yeah, I would, le- I would, that would be really cool if there was like a kind of re-researched um, interest in green hops, in English green hops from the craft beer world. I would love to see that. It'd
1: be cool to see more of like a series of like, okay, we've got some, in this series of green hop beers, we have some American yeah. ones and we have some English ones and here's the whole, oh. you know, spe- like old to new world sort of thing. Yeah, yes. know, really quite yeah. Cool. yeah. Um, but that yeah really I, would, I, I think that's sort of I, I never thought about it from the angle that that the seminar came from which is like yeah now you can blend things you could never blend before I just my mindset was all on the green hot beers and then I was like when people started saying oh I'm a bit worried what if we don't what if people don't care about English ones I was like that's never going to happen because I think if anything that same. just reignites yeah yeah but that's it it's the, not same the same people who care uh, yeah exactly and i think if anything it's just going to reignite the interest in the craft community yeah. for these traditional i would love like,
0: to see that it's different aromas and flavors like you're going to get different things out of it so yeah yeah
1: completely cool. um before we wrap up i think we wanted to talk to you a lot about the uh yakima chief hop and pink boots blend joe i'll let you sort
0: of start yeah um them. Oh, actually, I've got I've got a 2019 oh! blend packet here. Oh, that um, blend
2: was so good! People oh, are clamoring for that. I haven't
0: one. used it yet. I'm gonna I'm gonna do a New England IPA. I'm gonna homebrew with them. Amazing. You're gonna send me, send me one, obviously, because it's a New England oh, IPA. Don't send it to yeah. me. No. <laughs> I'm not, I'm, I, I tend to do saisons and and darker beers. Um, yeah that's what I that's what I brew um that's what come out well when I've done a pale of beer it's never really come out as well but I think it's just because I don't particularly enjoy hoppy beers so I was just like right sure. I'm setting myself this challenge we're going to use this lovely blend yeah. I'm gonna if make you it do a good... hoppy beer and don't send it to me I'll cry I know, I know you're and I'm not a cryer. so if I cry it's don't gonna worry, be you'll get sad. one don't <laughs> worry but yeah um we just wondered how, how that collaboration came about and um and kind of the logistics of it <laughs> of getting people to try different different hops and create that blend
2: yeah so it started I think this is our fifth year of doing this blend um and you know we had a um that was actually before my time at Yacht okay. Chief that it started um but I think basically like a that we had a um, an RSM who was a member of Pink Boots um in California and you know brought it up to the the CEO at the time and, um, you know, had identified an opportunity for YCH to give back. Um, YCH makes a pretty big effort to, to, um, you know, contribute to the brewing community, to, to the, to the local community here in Yakima and and to, to brewers, you know, a lot of charitable work and, you know, that kind of thing. And, um, part of our kind of mission statement or whatever. Uh, and so she said that this might be a good opportunity to, um, help a good cause and, Uh, contribute what we are good at which is hops and um you know i think it kind of came from there as a way to just help um you know further encourage diversity in the brewing community which is important to us and um from there i think it pretty exploded uh now breweries like we just sent out this the kits for uh chapters pink boots chapters to do their um selection and um you know we send out I think it was like 10 or 11 different hop varieties, small pack, like the pack you yeah. just held up that little uh, homebrew size pack. Um, and then the chapters, you know, we send out sheets for them to, you know, fill out their feedback or whatever and create their blends. And then, um, you know, it's a whole voting, you know, process. And we whittle down, you know, we whittle down, um, everyone's kind of favorite hops and then, uh, then everyone votes on, on the final blend or whatever. So it's really like a pretty collaborative effort as much as it can be when you have um, thousands of people participating, but it's a really good opportunity. You know, we're really spoiled. We get to smell hops all the time, whenever we want Um, tons of hops, 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 hops. Oh my God, so many hops. But you know, there's a lot of brewers that don't, that don't, you know, they just have the hops that they're brewing their regular recipes with, and they'll give them a quick assessment to check for off, notes before they brew with them or whatever, but they don't necessarily get to sit down with 12 different hot varieties, sniff them all side by side and really spend that time um, digging into the sensory component of it. Um, So I think that's a really nice thing that YCH provides. And again, it's an experience that um, makes people, it makes you a better brewer. It makes you better you know, it's not just brewers and pink boots. It's people who are in sales and marketing that work in tap rooms, no matter where you're working in the brewing industry, having that hands-on experience with the, with any of the raw materials is is super valuable. Um, and then it's just like builds that community. It's, it's something you're doing with your group. Um, and then, you know, we donate a, a bunch of money from the proceeds, uh, to pink boots and fund the scholarships that, um, that's the whole, I'm a member of pink boots. I don't know. If, uh, but, um, I don't think I, I probably should say what Pink Boots even is. It's like a, a organization that um, raises money to uh, provide scholarships to further the education of um, women and women, you know, female identifying people in the brewing. And now actually the whole fermented um, beverage industry, as of recently, it kind of expanded to um, include a little bit more beyond brewing. Um, but YCH, I think I wrote the number down has contributed uh. Two hundred and fifty-seven thousand dollars to food scholarships, yeah. so that's Amazing. huge, and that that, that yeah. means like sending women to—I mean, women to, um, you know, Germany and go visit do brews and, and and breweries there or attend courses, uh, you know, brewing courses at at different universities or to do the Cicerone certification or. Um, you know all that kind of stuff. So it's just helping women get a little bit of a leg up because it can be hard to break in and people don't always assume you're competent. So you have to be even more qualified than yeah. other people um, to get you know seen. And it's getting a lot better, but we've still got a lot of ways to go. And so this is a really, Pink Boots is a great organization for for just kind of giving a little another little step on the ladder for women who are trying to, um, you know, break into the industry or or further themselves within the industry. And I, I'm genuinely truly proud to work for a company that that takes that seriously and supports that that's amazing yeah we don't we don't actually have a pink boots we there were talking no, about this on numerous occasions. No we don't have pink boots chapters
1: um yeah. i've been I've, i tried to encourage like a, a few people i know that are like in brewing to it's like you should start it you should start it uh, but i don't know because i don't know what actually goes into starting it. it's not
2: it's not easy to start a no. chapter when <laughs> no. i was at when i was at um harriet watt um a friend of mine who's a, a brewer um she was you know trying to look into it and she's a really one of those really organized uh yeah. process people and I was like if anyone can do it she can do it um but she, uh she didn't do she it, can so. do it <laughs> I think it, yeah is you're it. right it's probably quite difficult yeah. and and uh, but yeah. I do think like over here we really
1: really could benefit from that having that Absolutely. program as well there's, uh, so much,
2: there's so many women brewing and with Harriet Watt and like my yeah. brewing and distilling course I mean it was mi- it was male dominated but I would say about a third was women and that's like pretty good for any given You know, I think that this next generation of, like, younger uh, people entering the industry is, like, so much closer to 50-50 than it ever has been, so... I think over here having that chapter
1: would be it would provide good role models as well over here for people to say you can do this because I think you know tying it back into something we said at the beginning I think of the imposter syndrome that you know Joe and I have spoken about uh, numerous times anyone that listens to this like knows we've spoken about it so many times and people that know us personally know that we've spoken about it so many times I think a lot of that can feed into the fact that you know where it has historically been male dominated and you do sometimes feel like you need that leg up like I think having a chapter here would be quite good because it will sort of show those role models models and show people like you don't have to have imposter syndrome. Like, you know, you can sort of go and you can do this and you've got this. So um yeah, no, I think that was a really interesting thing that you guys did doing that that blend with Yeah. Um,
2: it's amazing. Yeah. I'm actually meeting with the pink my local, the Yakima Pink Boots chapter tonight to do our little selection. Oh, amazing. So I know. mean like
0: I follow quite a few of the chapters on Instagram and I've been like eagerly watching them, like planning it and getting yeah. together and I've seen and I'm like, oh, I wonder what ones they're gonna pick. I want to do it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah it's,
1: it's fun was, was I mean, doing the blender challenge during the pandemic or was it actually okay because you send the kits out therefore you didn't have to try to get you know and obviously where it's all spread out like was that actually not as much of a hurdle as it might have been because the fact that you can just send the kits out and people can do it in the spaces that are comfortable yeah for
2: them. it actually brought a lot more people in that probably wouldn't have otherwise been able to participate because in previous years we've done it at the like um, annual Pink boots meeting the big national one that coincides with cbc i think or one of the big brewing conferences i can't remember okay. um i've never actually attended one because it's been a pandemic most of the time i've worked for stuff, yeah. but um you'll <laughs> you'll let off this time <laughs> yeah <laughs> but yeah it used to be a physical uh, a big gathering physical gathering um and obviously couldn't be last year and won't be again this year um but yeah sending sending the kits out i think is allowed you know because um not everyone can fly to somewhere. I mean, especially internationally, um, yeah. but even within the U.S., not everyone can take that time uh, off to go do this thing that's vo- essentially volunteering. It's very fun, but it is volunteer work. Um, so to send the kits out to the chapters has really opened, the, opened it up to a lot more people, which I think is ultimately quite good. That's pretty.
1: Do you think you'll continue to do that in the years that follow then? That's a
2: great question. I, Will there I think- be
1: a blend maybe of doing both?
2: I think it'll likely be a blend. That's kind of the way we've moved with like um, hop selection. You know, it used to be everyone came here to select their hops for the coming years during harvest. And um, now I think we'll, this year I know it's going to be a bit of a blend. There will be brewers coming out here, but also we'll be sending hops to them where they are. Um, and I, I have to imagine that'll probably be a permanent thing because it is, it does make more sense in a lot of ways. Yeah. Yeah.
0: People,
1: so. yeah. Um any, I guess, Like last question I've got, and Joe, you might have some more after, but um, you know, is there anything, any like parting words you want to give sort of women that are even considering about getting into the beer industry in some capacity? Any any message you want to send or any inspiration you can give or anything like that? Oh, that's big. It doesn't have to be that big. It could literally be like just it could literally (laughs) be like a shy above, like just do it. (laughs) Or female identifying as well, I should say, not just
2: yeah, Yeah. female identifying people yeah I feel like I, I my brain's just like all of that's coming in is cliches like fake it till you make it and like follow your heart, I go <laughs> like, by fake it till you
1: make it, so yeah. I totally yeah, preach totally. <laughs>
2: yeah. um, but I would actually like i don't know I think just having the audacity to like show up and um yeah, um, is the, is a big part. And I would almost like say more to people who are already embedded in the industry to like reach out your hand and like pull people in to the group and, and invite women to the table. Because I think there's a long time where people kind of felt like there was only room for one, or, you know, there's like almost a competition between women in male dominated industries to, um, keep their spot or, or stay one of the boys or be seen in this certain way to, 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 um, have a better interaction with their male colleagues or whatever. And, um, I just think, yeah, you know, we don't have time for that anymore. Like that's not, that's a shitty, sorry, that's a bad attitude. (laughs) I swear. (laughs) Okay. Um, It's a bad attitude and it sucks. And, um, I even think that I used to be a little bit that way, even in like high school, I had a mostly guy group of friends. And I was kind of not that nice to like, other. you know, I'm guilty of it. And I think we all are to some extent. And, um, I think just trying to like, make sure to extend an extra, extend an extra welcoming, like hand to women who are joining your team who, or who are trying to get a seat at the table. Um, cause women did that for me and I probably wouldn't be here if they hadn't. And um, I think that that's like our best bet is like it has to come the call is has to come from inside the house you know yeah, <laughs> brilliant. Um, yeah. No, that is absolutely
1: that's, brilliant that's much yeah, better than I'm my right. Shia LaBeouf just do it so <laughs> yeah. that's more profound than anything I that I would have said if I were in your situation <laughs>
0: so, Joe, any other questions from your end um, are you doing a virtual harvest this year or a blended one or have you gone back to everyone come in come into the the ranch is to get their hops yeah it'll be
2: a blend it'll be a blend this year um i think as of a couple months ago it was like everyone's coming and now it's like less Mm. people are coming which is probably good yeah um but yeah we will still there's going to be you know we're going to set up some uh parameters and protocols and stuff for anyone who's visiting um and a lot of people are just going to do it virtual so yeah a blend amazing love it yeah
0: anything any last words you want to give us anything you want to plug <laughs> anything yeah.
1: like feel free I think to I already... doubt
0: about anything <laughs> Frozies. <laughs>
1: Frozies. Yeah. <laughs> oh, <them> frosies
2: yeah <laughs> don't call them Frozies. <laughs> no terrible. do it <laughs> do it um <laughs> uh, no i thank you so much for having me i think we talked about everything thank you for I coming i mean you guys already it's asked great, about everything i would have ever brought up so um mm-hmm. it, this was super fun i i appreciate you guys having me on Thank, thank you so, so much for coming on we are so yeah. grateful to that like literally okay. when i messaged i was like if i hear
1: back like i'm sure they'll just be too busy anyway like, so they I, was like, a message.
0: I was like no 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 because like, i put just up stuff, i was like i put up stuff about about the webinar as well. and i was like and they replied and i was like they'll reply when i got a response I was like, and it was quite quick i was like oh my god they responded ah, this is
1: amazing um so thank you so much we had yeah. so many questions we tried to narrow it down i'm sorry we threw so much at you but we are totally grateful for that <laughs> thank evening. you so much thank you for joining
0: Thank nice. you. And, yeah. thanks right. guys so that was tessa from yakima chief hops i got her... to a scientist that was so fun i like I, I like me. just dropping that in like yeah i spoke to a your... i spoke <laughs> to a scientist
1: no big deal or anything like that um her um, job from... is so
0: cool <laughs> and from yakima chief hops who are one of the ma- like massive american hop growers out there and yeah. do have like they are responsible for Sabro. They are responsible for um, for Mosaic. Talis. They're responsible for Talus. They're responsible for. I'm sure they responsible for Cryo Pop. <laughs> All the cryo, all the Cryo Hops. Like that, they're, they're, they're the people that made those. So that's pretty cool. And she, she was so lovely. She was so nice. Yeah. Um, her parting words of advice were
1: amazing. Yeah. Um, I literally think that was so much better than I could ever have. <laughs> put into words it was great you didn't even think they were going to reply to us I told you
2: <laughs>
1: it was yeah it was just one of those things I was like eh. and this is a lesson to everybody out there right uh it what does it hurt to reach out because I was sort of prepared for the worst of like i'm never gonna get a response to this and then i got a response and that was such an amazing conversation and i mean we had to cut out like <laughs> so many questions because we were very conscious that we were overrunning with her and we were like she's got so many things to do she's i just we've <laughs> we've got to cut these out so uh yeah we skipped over like a whole lot there's so many more questions i could have sat and talked to her for like a whole afternoon um and it would have you know she's that was during her daytime hours as well so you know it was really lovely that she made some time to talk to us and sort of give us an overview of a whole bunch of stuff that we were so interested in so
0: all right <laughs> because sure, one day we're gonna go to yakima and we're going to we are gonna be we're gonna be go, sensory hi we're gonna come and do sensory today you said we could and <laughs> you said that it would be really great
1: and i was really proud of myself that like when we were going through the cryo pop tasting notes and i was like i'm getting this and she's like i got that a lot on the th- on on what the feedback was from the sensory panel yep. and I was like that's amazing I want to go to the aromadome first yep. of all uh <laughs> so yeah I would love to go out there and visit and like even go on holiday out there and just be like can I help you pick for a day or do some sensory stuff for a day just to like to me that would be like a fun holiday activity. Like honestly, <laughs> I would really love that. So You're such a
0: beer geek, I love it. Yeah, when, like, when she was talking about
1: holiday, when she was talking about like, yeah, I want to talk to people about how beer tastes. And so I was like, we do too.
0: You can come to my parties. <laughs> Please come like, to my parties and talk to me about beer. But
1: yeah, I <laughs> I also just want to take a moment to say I got a message on the instagram Yeah, from uh, Wes. <laughs> You'll know Wes. Yeah. Uh, he he messaged me saying that uh he's all for jazzy openings, first of all. That so is. I hope he likes this opening. I hope this one really this was jazzed good it one. I enjoyed you. this one. Yeah, thanks. That just it just came to me. <laughs> uh so I really hope that he appreciated this one. But then he also called out the fact that there was a missed opportunity to greet with either a huzzah or a good morrow during the mead episode right
0: you did miss that you've, you've been telling um, me that you're going to do exciting highs and you haven't been
1: yeah I, but I think I'm that's also because i done by the jazzier the intro is the more I make myself laugh with it when you pull it off without even flinching and, then, you can't do it, can and you? then and then it comes down to it and I'm just like hi you're just not as professional as me you see that is a bold statement <laughs> because i am not professional <laughs> i i love when people go oh you think you're an influencer i absolutely do no, not think i'm an no, influencer no. i don't think i can i can influence my dog to eat her <laughs> dinner half the days who do you think i'm influencing i'm influencing nobody. Hey, Lynn is her
0: own woman right? <laughs> she is,
1: <laughs> she's a strong independent woman yes, she's she an alpha <laughs> she's raised by two alphas right. like she understands she gets yeah. it yeah. but I feel like I just had to issue a sincere <laughs> apology to Wes because yes that was a missed, opportunity, was a missed opportunity, by opportunity by me he's right um he's saying that hopefully there'll eventually be a, a Mead Two episode uh so Mead 2 uh I'll buy a um <laughs> drinking horn uh oh, have I to get will get mine out of storage peasant myself up and i will make sure to say good morrow to everybody or hu- huzzah so please, that will be do. the next mead episode i just felt i had to issue a sincere apology because that was my bad i own that i take that on board um <laughs> and i mean that from the bottom of my heart i'm so sorry wes and everybody
0: else i've really offended yeah, you all yeah, So you just let everybody
1: down yeah hopefully They're hopefully this mad. episode made up They're for it Um, Yeah, that's worse. It's worse, Joanne. (laughs) I I really hope this episode made up for it because I... Yeah, this was. Amazing. I think there's a lot of good stuff in it so hopefully you enjoyed that um and yeah to, to finish that off uh if you want to talk to me you want to talk hop science stuff with me I'm probably not as capable of talking about some hot science as as maybe joe is but I can talk to you about the interesting stuff that you really want to know about that I can't answer for you but I'll relate <laughs> uh you can find me on instagram adventures underscore in underscore optimism come find me dm me we'll have conversations about all the things we want to know about hops and can't
0: actually answer. <laughs> if you want actual answers on stuff, probably, Joe. Where can people find you? I mean, I can answer some questions. I can't answer all of them because I'm not a hop scientist or a hop sensory scientist. But I probably have some answers for you. Um, if you'd like to talk to me, I am a woman's brew on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. Uh, but you can come to my beer school and come and learn about hops and what flavors and aromas you will get from various different hops. If you come and join my beer school, love beer learning. We are on. Facebook. I generally hang out on Instagram. We are on Twitter. Uh, We are on TikTok and we are on Pinterest. We also have a website where you can find out more about how you can learn about hops uh, and sensory tasting with me. That's lovebeerlearning.co.uk. And we also have an email address, lovebeerlearning at gmail.com. We'll pick up emails for the podcast there as well. So if you've got somebody you want us to reach out to, that you would like to hear us talk to you on the podcast let us know and we will ask because if we don't ask we don't get <laughs> exactly
1: that's the one thing i learned <laughs> and definitely go and check out yakima chief hop yes. on uh instagram i think yeah. the handle's just literally yakima chief yeah uh, but they are yakima chief hops because there is yes. a as she mentioned there is definitely a distinction between the ranch and the hops so yeah. uh look for them on instagram you can see all the really Interesting stuff they're doing with you know their uh, not frozies, uh, their pink boots blend. We're making frozies, so go check them care. out. Um, it's yeah. She, I I don't think she. I think she wanted to sign off on it, but then yeah. also she's like, I shouldn't, but I'm going to. Uh, so we're signing off on it because we have no like no, there's no, just, no responsibility there. There's, a, there's um, no
0: marketing people that are going to get mad at us we're going with frozies we, we have zero
1: accountability so <laughs> frozies that's yep. that's what we're going with Done. um so yeah go check them out go check us out let us know what you want to hear and uh with that note joe
0: cheers, cheers. <laughs>